Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It's your girl, Allison Kilkenny, broadcasting at the crack of dawn here in beautiful New York City because I just have a, a dang full day, is what it's called. And could have taken the day off, but I said no. We are a bi monthly podcast, and that means. You need to get your new episode. So here I am. Hello. We're going to get to a bunch of Patreon comments. But before that, I'm just going to jump right into it, everyone. There's a bunch of pop culture news I wanted to talk about. I have recommendations. I have a, dare I say it, anti-rec. That's right. We're not afraid to get negative on this show. Mostly because I just pray anyone I admire or may work with in the future will never hear this show. I think that's a safe bet, but it is the gamble I am I'm choosing to make when I say anything negative about anyone in the industry as it's called. I don't want to get too uh inside baseball on you, but it is called the industry. So, before we get to all of that, just uh some general pop culture news. Did you all see the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? I'm going to talk about it a little bit in the broadest of terms. I'm not going to do like a psycho deep dive into it because truly who wants that? But just like general impressions, let's say. If you're the type of person who avoids trailers, first of all, good for you. I don't know how you do it. I love trailers. But if you're sort of like, I don't want to know anything going into seeing Spider-Man No Way Home, skip ahead to the music cue or or maybe like, you know, a few minutes in the pop culture section because I'm not going to talk about it that long. I just wanted to say, because I made a very snarky comment, as I do on Twitter, after seeing the trailer just once, because I need to go back and watch it more because it's chock full of goodies. I just watched it once, okay? And Doctor Strange is featured in the trailer, and there's a scene where they're in his manor, and it's snowing inside. So I made a very snarky tweet where I was like, you know, Doctor Strange, you can control time and space. Fix the hole in your dang roof. The Hulk crashed through it like a while ago. You know, I know continuity in the MCU is sort of like, ha, 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 ha. How long has it been? Who knows? Who cares? But it's been a minute and you're a wizard. Fix the dang hole. But now that I think about it and I've seen analysis and breakdowns of the trailer, it is like a winter wonderland in the manor. Far colder with more snow than we ever get in New York City. So this feels like magic. It doesn't feel like snow came through the the little hole in his roof. I guess it's not little. It's Hulk shaped. but. You know what I'm saying. It seems like magic is afoot. So I retract my snarky comment. Seems like other stuff's going on. Also, there's no way that's our Doctor Strange, right? Fucking around with the with the timeline like that. Not protecting our reality douchebag, if you will. That's his whole job. That's what he's there for. I don't think that's Doctor Strange. I also don't think it's Mephisto. And I think we need to drop... <laughs> that. It's sort of funny. It went through this cycle where it was like getting very old because it started with WandaVision. Mephisto is going to show up and then obviously he didn't. Then Loki. Mephisto is going to show up and then he didn't. And then it got really, really old. But now it's sort of funny again. So I don't know. Maybe we don't need to stop with the Mephisto talk, but I don't think it's Mephisto. (laughs) 
the second I let my guard down, though, it will be Mephisto. You understand that, right? The second I'm like, stop with the Mephisto shit, it will be Mephisto. So what do I know? Other than that, I'm very excited, even though, man, I can't think of another MCU movie that has had this much anticipation slash this many spoilers thrown into the ether where it was like, I guess Doc Ock was supposed to be a big reveal in the trailer. Everybody fucking knew because, you know, just we've been waiting so long and actors say stuff and it's very clear at this point. We're probably going to get multiple Peters. We're going to get Tobey Maguire. We're going to get Andrew Garfield. We're going to get the Sinister Six, you know, like, but I'm still really excited, even though I know that stuff. I just sometimes I think about a little Allison in a different parallel universe, watching that trailer, not having any of that knowledge in her head and just being like, whoa, like genuinely delighted and surprised. And is that even possible in our our current cultural landscape. Like if you're on Twitter, if you're extremely on Twitter, as I am, as you probably are, because we're all sick, is it even possible to have that childlike wonder anymore? Or are we just so chock full of spoilers that it's sort of like just fulfilling what we already know, which can also be delightful, but certainly is not surprising in any way? I don't know. I just sort of like think back to not even that long ago. I mean, I guess it is long ago now, but like in the 90s, pre-Twitter, when you would like genuinely be shocked by something that happened in a movie because you hadn't seen a spoiler, how amazing that experience was. Will we ever be able to have that again? Certainly not with films of the caliber or I should say platform of MCU films. I think it's virtually impossible because like the nerds of which I am one, no judgment, descend upon every piece of information that is disseminated by Marvel, just pick it apart to shit, analyze it from every angle. And then by the time you see the film, it's still really exciting, but you're sort of like, yeah, yeah, it's the thing we've talked about a million times already. And I listened to six podcasts about, and I listened to grown people talk about for three hours <laughs> per podcast. I'm very much familiar with this already. But anyway, still love the trailer. I mean, Tom Holland and Zendaya, what do you want? What more do you people fucking want? Willem Dafoe's cackle? Come on. Come on. Is Venom going to be in this film? I don't know. If Tom Hardy showed up, would you be that surprised? I would be only because only because it's already so full of cameos that it might actually de-heighten the appearance of a, of a Tom Hardy caliber actor. Also, I don't think they're going to do that because he has his own films and they'll probably like hold that crossover, you know? It will be very funny if Topher Grace shows up. That would be very, very funny. If we get both Topher Grace and Tom Hardy's Venoms, I listen, I wouldn't kick that to the curb, you know? I think that would be very fun. But like I said, it's already so full that, listen, if I get multiple Spideys and the Sinister Six, I'm a happy, happy camper. Anyway, thoughts? What did you think? Hashtag light treason pod. Do you not care about Marvel? Good for you. I don't need to hear about it, though. So... Speaking of Marvel, been watching What If, a very, very mixed bag. If you're unfamiliar, What If is the animated series 
from the MCU, currently on Disney Plus, all about, you know, we're all about parallel universes right now in the MCU, multiverse of madness coming out, No Way Home, we just had Loki, and we have What If, which is a very, very cool concept um, from, from the comic books about parallel universes where the question is posed, what if blank happened? So like, what if T'Challa, Black Panther was Star-Lord? Uh, what if Peggy Carter became quote unquote Captain America, not obviously Captain America, but Captain Carter, the British equivalent of Captain America? Very fun, right? But it has been <laughs> to varying degrees of success, I have found. I, I actually was not a fan of the Captain Carter pilot. Thought it was very, very derivative and sort of did a disservice to the Captain Carter story. You know, it was almost frame by frame a retelling of the Captain America origin story. It was sort of dull in that sense. I'm not overly in love with the animation style that they've chosen to go with. I think... Weirdly, some of the close-ups on the faces are very uh, expressionless, which is weird because you think you could, you would be able to do anything with animation. But I don't know if they just had a trouble capturing the actors' performances. And while we're on the subject of the actors' performances, holy shit! If you did not think that voice acting was a skill and it's a very specific, unique skill. You need to hear some of these very, very good actors do a terrible job with the voiceovers. I'm not going to name names. I'm just saying some of them are doing a good job, but some of them, it's like, woof. You could tell they were really lost. I would have loved to know, known what kind of direction they were getting while they were in the voiceover booth because some of those readings, I was like, that's the one you went with? I would be angry if I was some of these actors hearing <laughs> which take they went with because it makes them seem like they can't act. And I know they can because they're very good actors and I've seen them in the live action Marvel films. So it's like, come on, that was the best we could do. But when it works, it really, really works. I think obviously the best episode so far has been T'Challa as Star-Lord. A really, really beautiful telling of that. Obviously very emotional because Chadwick Boseman died. So it takes on a very special significance when if you haven't seen the episode and you want to avoid spoilers, obviously skip all this because I'm going to discuss the plot a little bit. But much like Star-Lord's original story, T'Challa is abducted uh, by space pirates, basically, and lives his adult, early adult years in space. So by the time he returns home, you know, his, his parents have gotten older. But it, it took on this special significance because we no longer have Chadwick Boseman in our lives. And for his father to be like, you know... We never stopped looking for you, you know, like it, it was very emotional, you know. So and also uh, Chadwick did a great job with the voiceover because he could do anything. He was brilliant always. And I was really glad that they they had this one, you know, in the can and we got to hear his voice again. Apparently he's going to be in future episodes as well. So very excited about that. So moving past Marvel. I know you're like, thank God. 
you know what? If you don't like what I'm selling, you can shop somewhere else. Who are you talking to? Nothing but lovely feedback from you people. And I'm still like, who wants to fight? So moving into other recommendations, I highly recommend the vampire film, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. I'm not going to tell you anything about the plot. I think you should just watch it because uh, that was my experience. I heard it very, not lightly recommended, but sort of recommended in passing on a podcast I was listening to. And I was like, ooh, that's a vampire film I've never even heard of. And thankfully, the host didn't give away too much of the plot. And I'm so grateful that he didn't do that because I feel like watching it without pre-existing knowledge, say a Marvel level of knowledge, (laughs) was really, really cool. And I liked going into it completely ignorant. It was a really enjoyable experience that way. So I'm going to pass that gift on to you if you're into vampire films, if you want to see a really, really unique Uh, telling of a vampire story. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Check it out. And then we're going to get into an anti-recommendation, everybody. Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. Woof. Okay, so I was very excited about this because I would never say that the partnerships between David E. Kelly and Nicole Kidman are quote-unquote good right? But they're always high drama, chock full of entertainment about almost always, almost universally, wealthy white people who you sort of hate, but you're still fascinated with. And it's entertaining, right? It's like a fun ride. Does David E. Kelly stick the landing? No, usually not. But if you can enjoy the ride, if you do enjoy the ride, I think it's worth it. So, you know, I had just, or I guess not just, it's been out for a while now, but I had seen The Undoing, and that was a classic example of an overall fun ride that I think lingered on violence against women a little too much, or not even a, a little, way too much, but... Overall, I enjoyed the performances. I thought the story was interesting. That ending was a fucking mess, but it's David E. Kelly. What do you expect? Overall, though, I I would have recommended it. If you like what David E. Kelly is usually selling, you'll like The Undoing. So when I heard that he was partnering yet again with Nicole Kidman, my actually, to be honest with you, my first thought was, do these people work with anyone else? Are they addicted to collaborating with each other? Will David E. Kelly ever work with an actress who's not Nicole Kidman? I would actually really like to see him do something radically different (laughs) with a different actress that's not about like wealthy white people and their antics. But again, it's David E. Kelly. That's not what he's selling. And Allison, if you want that, shop elsewhere, right? So, but I was still excited because Nicole Kidman's great. It sounded like a really cool concept that was very much in my wheelhouse, you know, about a cult, basically. So I was very excited when they started announcing the cast. Cast is great. Hyped, right? Hyped to the max. So then I see the pilot. And I think like part of it is bum luck, right? Like the fact that they premiered so close after White Lotus, which had all of this huge critical reception, 
huge audience numbers, I think. I've never actually seen how many views they were getting. But it seemed like, at least on Twitter, everybody was watching White Lotus. And then Nine Perfect Strangers premieres about a group of wealthy people who are meeting each other for the first time at a resort. Stop me if this sounds familiar, right? It's basically like White Lotus 2.0. So a lot of people watching it were like, ooh, yikes. This is like that, but not as good. But it was only the pilot. So I was sort of like, you know, let them find their footing. Let's see where this goes. The pilot was not great. But now I've seen three episodes and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is an anti-rec. It's, it's bad. It's not that it's fine. It's bad. I have no interest in watching it, continuing to watch it. Listen, maybe maybe it'll be one of those rare shows that like midway through the first season, they really hit their stride. Wild shit starts happening. I'm going to have to eat my words and pick it back up again. That could happen. But all I can tell you right now is, as of right now, I have absolutely zero interest in continuing continuing to watch Nine Perfect Strangers. It's bad. I hate all of the characters. I'm not invested in anyone. Every scene is excruciating. The whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, I hate you, and I hate you, and I hate you. There's no one to root for in the show. Nicole Kidman is doing the most bizarre version of a Russian accent I've ever seen. She's got her Galadriel wig on. That it, She's usually wet because she's just like um, dived off a high waterfall. And I guess we're supposed to find it interesting that she used to be a high power businesswoman and then she got shot and then became the spiritual guru. And I guess we're supposed to wonder like who shot her. I have no interest at all. Uh, She's starting to get mysterious texts from someone threatening her. I don't give a shit. I have no desire to keep watching it to find out who did what because I don't care about these characters at all. I don't care about who shot Nicole Kidman because I don't like Nicole Kidman's character. So it's like, why should I be invested in any of this? Even someone like Melissa McCarthy, right? Who usually plays a character who is at least likable, endearing, you know, she's playing a very different kind of character, which I don't mind because she is actually a very good actress. She's not playing a big comedic character although she has funny moments with Bobby's character but it's it's more subdued you know she's sort of a sad tragic figure which is why she is seeking guidance from the spiritual guru even her character I'm like I don't like this woman (laughs) I don't care about her at all is it just me are you watching it do you like it let me know hashtag pod I have not seen anyone saying they like it on twitter I actually haven't seen that much conversation about it other than to make fun of it. So I honestly don't know. Are there like nine perfect strangers fans out there? Is there like a whole community that's saying the show isn't getting a fair shake because of white lotus syndrome? I don't know. Let me know. Do you know anyone who likes the show and is still watching it? Because I I think she's a bomb, but I'm not sure. So. That's it for recommendations, everybody. I want to get to some of your Patreon comments and questions and recommendations. I actually, I have fully forgotten what I have in this document because I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. Maybe I have. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself. Apparently, there were hidden folders on 
like a hidden inbox on Patreon. That's not my regular inbox. So it's like a creator inbox. And I checked that and there was, guess what? Multiple messages <laughs> from people. And then I got curious and I was like, I wonder if there's also like a hidden inbox on Instagram. And guess what? There is. So I missed several of your messages. I'm very, very sorry. I'm not rude. I'm not ignoring you. So we're going to get to some of those. I apologize if they're no longer timely. But just to remind everyone, this is a 100% listener-supported show. You probably listen to a lot of podcasts where you have to keep skipping commercials, and it's really annoying to keep skipping 30 seconds, 15 seconds ahead. Well, guess what? You never have to do that on the show. Why? Because we're 100% listener-supported. You fund the show. You put a roof over my little cat's head. You you pay for equipment upgrades. You pay for co-hosts when I have them. You pay for every dang thing on this show. So thank you. And how you can do that is you can go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button, or you can go to my Patreon. And if you do that, become a member there. You get to skip the line. I'll read your messages first. You know, we're we're a socialist podcast, so I get to all messages eventually, but you're you're VIP. We're like a socialist podcast with a sprinkling of capitalism. There you go. Because you can skip the line, get a little bit of VIP access. So John, who's a supporter, thank you, John, wrote in. I love <laughs> this so much because it's just so practical. It's a very practical question. So John writes. I will be coming to New York City for the first time in my life for Anime NYC 2021 at the Javits Center in mid-late November. Wow. John, first of all, thank you. We have all of the facts immediately. I love it. This far out, the hotel rates were really good, and I found cheap airfare on JetBlue and a reasonable hotel only one subway stop away from the Javits Center. Congratulations. You're in the heart of Hell's Kitchen, John. It's a good location. It's where the UCB theater used to be. Rest in peace. My question is, what sort of clothes should I pack for this time of year in NYC? I'm coming from Houston, Texas, but I've lived slash visited colder northern climates before Germany and Russia. Wow. Okay. Jeans and a light jacket. I'm thinking, but probably also at least one hoodie slash sweatshirt? Question mark. It's an anime convention, so I'm going to be dressing very casually. Does it ever snow the weekend before Thanksgiving in NYC? I admit it's a little silly. I've been alive 50 years and I finally took an anime convention to get me to NYC. But hey, it took a library vendor conference work related to get me to Chicago back in uh, 2006. Whatever works, right? I'm flying into JFK. I love that I have John's full travel itinerary. I love this so much. I'm flying into JFK and it looks fairly simple to get there uh, from there to that side of Manhattan. But what route would you take as a New York resident? Should I have flown into Newark instead? I appreciate any do's and don'ts for a first-time NYC visitor in 2021. Wow. John, I, I ask for specific details from people when they write in, and you did not disappoint. I have your full travel itinerary. I know exactly where you're staying, your schedule. We love it. So I guess let's start with weather. It is, it, yes, it can snow sometimes pre-Thanksgiving. I think you said a light jacket and jeans. You might want to have a medium heavy jacket. And, you know, you can check the weather, weather.com. 
because we have freak weather, weather patterns sometimes. Sometimes here in New York City, we have a freakishly warm Thanksgiving. Sometimes we have a freakishly cold Thanksgiving. It all depends on air patterns, John. You know, how the wind is carrying colder or warmer air. Weather patterns, if you will. So that weather.com is your best friend. Just check it the week before. See how cold or hot it's going to be. But to answer your question, uh, all things are possible with New York City weather. It could snow. It could be really hot. So um, trust the experts is what I'm saying. You know, the great airport debate. So a lot of people shit on JFK. Here's why JFK is good, I think, for you in this situation. Accessible by subway. And pretty simple. And you're on a pretty straight shot on the ACE if you're trying to get to that area of Hell's Kitchen. So you done good. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask for directions. New Yorkers get a bad rap. Um, if, if they know you're a lost tourist, usually they'll be very nice. So just don't stop anybody who looks like they're uh, late for the most important meeting of their life because they're not going to respond well. So don't stop any businessmen who are like running through the subway station. If somebody's just chilling, you know, listening to music, they're, they're generally good to ask for directions. I think you did good, though. I think uh, JFK will will be fine. It's a, it's a straight shot, like I said. So any do's or don'ts for a first-time NYC visitor in 2021? Okay. Don't stand in the middle of the sidewalk. If you get lost or overwhelmed, just pull pull your happy ass over and check your phone. Google Maps are good. Uh, they've updated Google Maps now where you're a little blue dot and they'll show you what direction you're walking in with an arrow, which is always very helpful. How it used to be was you would have to walk several blocks for the dot to move and show you you're walking in the wrong direction. So that wasn't super helpful. But um, yeah, I would use Google Maps. You are very self-contained where you are in Hell's Kitchen. So if you're a block from the Javits Center, uh, you'll see when you walk to the Javits Center, there's a bunch of like cafes and stuff. Um, there is a, I forget what kind it is, but there's like a, a sort of like deli slash supermarket on the corner uh, by the Javits Center and where I love that I keep telling you where the hell where UCB used to be like that matters, but it's called the Pearl Theater. There's a bunch of like food and coffee places down there. You're very close to Times Square. If you want to check that out, I don't, but I hear it's something that tourists like to see. And I guess just don't feel shame that it took you 50 years to come to New York City. Who cares? She's been waiting for you. Uh, Have fun. Have fun at the Anime NYC 2021 convention. What a treat. It'll be nice to see the Javits Center used for something that's not a mass vaccine site which is uh, what the Javits Center was the last time I was there, fully occupied by the military. Not a fun image. So uh, love that conventions are coming back. I hope, I hope the convention will be happening in November. I'm going to be honest with you. I would double check that to make sure that it's still happening because, you know, New Yorkers are doing a, a good job getting vaccinated. But if, if there are people from all over the country coming to this convention, make sure you have your vaccination card, all of that stuff, because here in New York City is now mandatory to show your vaccination card to go in many places, restaurants, 
movie theaters. I'm sure the Javits Center, you'll need to show your vaccination card. So yeah, that that's it. I would say maybe try to go see a cheap comedy show at Caveat or something like that. You know, certainly if you have the budget, go see a Broadway show. But if you're trying to save money, there are cheaper shows you can go see. Still very talented people. And you'll be supporting a community that actually needs the money. But great question, John. I'm in love with the specifics. Have a great time. Mark commented, to you and any guests, this is also a great one. So thank you, Mark. To you and any guests, if you were able to make an escape room, no budget restrictions, what would your theme be? Wow. Mark, I feel mildly guilty I'm daring to answer this question without Mr. Charles Rockhill on this show. Charles, frequent co-host of the show, escape room aficionado. The only times I've done escape rooms have been Charles-related. We did one for his birthday. And then I think we just did another one for shits and giggles. I forget why we did it twice. But they're so fun. Oh, I mean, John, do you want to do an escape room while you're in New York City? It's a fun group activity. Maybe not if you're like claustrophobic or that's not your vibe. I enjoy escape rooms. What a question mark. I No budget restraints? My God. Well, circling back to the Nine Perfect Strangers conversation, a cult-themed escape room could be fun if you're trying to escape a cult or a serial killer-themed escape room. Fun. Maybe multiple serial killers. You got a Jack the Ripper. You got a John Wayne Gacy. Fun. Fun. If you're trying to run from a creepy clown, that motivates you to escape that room. Thoughts? Hashtag light trees and pod. What is your dream escape room? No budget restraints, whatever your little heart desires. Who are you trying to get away from? Let me know. I'm interested. Charles is going to be so mad I answered that without him. So... Those were some of the newer ones. I'm going to answer one of the older ones, older messages. Once again, I have no idea if these are relevant anymore. (laughs) I deeply apologize to anybody who was like, this is time sensitive. I really need an answer on this. First of all, if, if anything's an emergency, please don't have me as your emergency contact. I can't help you. Okay. If you go to the doctor and they ask you for your emergency contact number, please don't say it's me. I don't know where you are. So Jay writes in, hey, Allison, thanks so much for answering my question on the most recent episode. Jay, I don't remember what it was, but you're welcome. I'll give some more details to see if you have any ideas. Oh, no. So this is like a follow up to something I answered. Oh, shit. Okay. I didn't go too much into it on the question thread because I didn't want the question to get too long. There's a good course I saw on Great Courses Plus now Wondrium, called Understanding and Applying Self-Defense Strategies. Oh, Jay, I remember this. Okay, it was self-defense related, right. The woman who did the instructions had a background in Krav Maga. Long story short, I went to her company's Facebook page and saw through a link they posted that she's involved in another company that has a Patreon, which specializes in violence dynamics and conflict communications. Okay. I visited the Patreon page and it looked interesting. One tier allowed you to be added to a Facebook group that gave you direct access to the instructors. 
uh, including Tammy McCracken, the instructor from the Wondrium course. I signed up for that tier and got instructions to send a friend request to one of two instructors, and I would then be added to the group. I went to the page of one of the ones listed in the message and did not like what I saw. Oh, no. A story about California assault weapons ban getting struck down with the caption, good news, and a story about vaccinated students that gave me bad vibes. I got a bad feeling and immediately canceled my Patreon for that company. Do you have any thoughts on this or do you have any recommendations of other creators on Patreon with similar content? Content. Thanks in advance. Okay, Jay, I remember this now. You were talking sort of about like this worrying trend of like right wingers in like the self-defense community. So, and like how to avoid that and are there safe spaces to learn this stuff without like having someone be like, do you listen to Rogan? Which is like very much a thing in the MMA community. So, first of all, no, (laughs) no. Long story short, sorry. This is just like a theme in the self-defense community. I I would say like the safest spaces are probably jujitsu just because you tend to find a slightly chiller people, a lot of women who maybe aren't left wing, but are not like going to post about how an assault weapons ban getting struck down is a good thing, right? Like the coolest people I have interacted have been jujitsu people. So, but I also met people in the jiu-jitsu community who were like, do you listen to Rogan? So like they're everywhere. And that's why I'm like, I, I can't tell you. I certainly don't know people on Patreon because that's just like n- not what I use Patreon for. But maybe people listening have recommendations. So tweet, a, tweet at us and I can retweet it. So hopefully Jay will see it. But it's a great question. Unfortunately, like... I'll be honest with you, Jay, like I encountered a lot of like worrying anti-vaxxer shit when I was like in the yoga community. There's a lot of like holistic communities that were some of the earliest adopters of anti-vax bullshit. And a lot of them identify as liberal. So you're not necessarily quote unquote safe if you find liberals because liberals can believe in a ton of dumb shit, right? So... And like there were a lot of people I I met in the jujitsu community who probably didn't identify as liberal, but who were like very open minded. And if I brought up something, they were like willing to listen and like, you know, sometimes change their mind. And they were cool in that way. But I, I don't think they would like identify as being liberal. But I think the important thing is like you don't want to feel like under attack when you're already vulnerable learning how to fight, right? Because that can be a really emotional experience, you know? So you want to feel safe. So I feel you. I would say like maybe Patreon isn't the best way to approach this and uh, going to places and, and talking to people and meeting them. And like, don't be afraid to shop around schools, you know? try a free class, talk to people. Um, You know, now that things are opening back up, maybe that'll be easier. I don't know where you live, so I shouldn't say that. But I know here in New York, places are opening back up and they're doing in-person classes again. So that might be better because I feel like our worst traits come out online. (laughs) Sometimes like 
I I would see somebody I knew from jujitsu posting online and I would be like, that's not how you talk in person at all. You would never say that to me face to face, but you feel more liberated online, I guess. But anyway, thank you for writing back in with more details. I totally remember your original question now. And yeah, sorry it took so long to read that. I have more, everyone, but um, I guess I'm going to save them because we got to get to bad news and good news. I Again, I apologize. I was not deliberately ignoring anyone. I wish you could have heard me scream when I saw how many messages <laughs> I had not read. It's like, God damn it, my one job. But I'll get to all of them eventually. Hopefully you're still listening to the show and you haven't unsubscribed in a huff because I didn't get to your messages. I highly doubt any of you would do that. But on the subject of you unsubscribing in a huff, here's your bad news. So the big bad news story was this, is this Kabul airport bombing. The death count now, I think the New York Times was saying it's at 170, including 3S, wow, 13 U.S. troops. Um, You know, obviously horrific. If you've been seeing the footage of desperate people trying to get out of the Afghanistan airports in Kabul, really, really horrifying, upsetting. I, I like had to completely get off the internet when I saw, I read the profile of the poor kid who, he was a soccer player who was desperate and he was clinging to the side of the plane as it took off and he fell and he died. And it's just like, it's horrible. It's, it's so horrible. Obviously, uh, the evacuation was completely botched. The way the U.S. is withdrawing from Afghanistan is a clusterfuck to the point where, like, diplomats didn't know it was happening and had to uh, do a rushed evacuation of embassies. Like, horrible. A horrible way to treat people who have been trying to help your country, right? Like, Whatever you think about the occupation, which is stupid, horrific, wasteful, all of that shit, you know, those of us who were around and aware of what was happening in 2001 protested anything like this happening because it was so obvious that an occupation invasion of Afghanistan was going to be disastrous for everyone. Obviously, the most for people in Afghanistan, but yeah, we 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 could read the writing on the wall, right? Everyone knew this was inevitable. Every country who has tried to occupy Afghanistan has made met a disastrous fate. So, while it's good that we're withdrawing from Afghanistan, obviously everything was going to be enormously complicated because we've been there for so long. Not that we were av- ever able to successfully establish any kind of government or infrastructure, right? Because that was never really our goal. For many people in Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan forces, even though they were U.S.-backed, were still a better option than the fucking Taliban, right? So a lot of people, especially if if these were Afghans who were helping the U.S., were in a fucking panic 
when the U.S. troops seemingly overnight, not seemingly because it was overnight, were suddenly like, peace, bye. So if you were, say, a translator for the U.S. military, you were like, oh, holy shit, my whole family is going to be executed by the fucking Taliban, which is why you had hundreds and hundreds, I mean, thousands of people rushing to the airport and so desperate that they were clinging to the sides of planes as they were taking off. I mean, horrific footage. If you manage to avoid it, I mean, it, it, it's really, really awful. So, but like, that is to say, I don't think there was necessarily a good option here. Like if our two options were withdrawal or permanent occupation, obviously withdrawal is preferable to permanent occupation. But to do it this way, to fuck so many people who were helping us, again, regardless of what you think of the occupation itself, not a good look. Kind of a bad, bad look. And now we have this bombing, horrific bombing. Again, I, I saw photos of, of the aftermath of the bombing and people who were mangled in it. So horrible. Uh, yeah, I guess the moral of the story, everyone, is don't occupy countries because this is what happens. There's never a good solution when you want to leave. And ultimately, you are going to have to leave, even if it's not like due to morality, but hey, we're broke. <laughs> like The United States is a declining empire. We can't even give our own citizens basic things like health care and affordable housing. We cannot permanently occupy multiple countries around the world. It's, it's what happens with every declining empire, right? Like we are collapsing. We have to leave. So it was inevitable, but it was also like, damn, do we have to go out this way? Like the fact that ambassadors were fleeing the country overnight, it's like, how many people are we going to piss off on our way out of this country? And now the poor people of Afghanistan have to deal with like Taliban 2.0, or I guess ISIS-K is responsible for the bombing at the uh, airport. but. You know, the Taliban's like, we're going to do press conferences now. We're like the 2021 Taliban. And it's like, okay, like, you know, as, as anti-US as I am and our imperialist agenda, the, the Taliban are not good guys. <laughs> they are the bad guys. This is going to be bad. We did nothing. We accomplished nothing. The longest occupation in US history. Again, 20 years. Two decades. And it was for nothing. It was absolutely nothing. If, if you served in the armed forces, you should be pissed off. Like, what was that for? It accomplished nothing. It was just an untold amount of money wasted, so many lives lost for nothing. Because a, a handful of rich, powerful men thought it would be strategically advantaged a strategic advantage for the U.S. if we had a military base in Afghanistan or a military occupation in Afghanistan. That's what it was for. They concocted a whole bullshit reason for why we went in there, but that's what it was. They thought it would be a geopolitical advantage for the U.S. to have a presence there in the Middle East. And guess what? They were fucking wrong. So maybe we should stop listening to these assholes. I don't know. Does that make sense? Anyway... Moving on to another bad news item. 
And speaking of our collapsing empire, the Supreme Court on Thursday blocked the Biden administration's COVID-related eviction eviction moratorium. Uh, So the three liberal justices dissented publicly, citing the spike in COVID-19 cases and the Delta variant. The liberal justices were like, hey, maybe we shouldn't evict people like when there's um, a full ass plague. So but of course, the Supreme Court, our conservative Supreme Court, now skewed conservative, were basically like, we love landlords. That was their decision. They're like, landlords should have the right to evict people, even if there is, again, a full ass plague. So this obviously uh, will be disastrous. We're already seeing a wave of evictions all across the country. It's going to get worse. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're leaving Afghanistan at a time when uh, we are about to have mass evictions. Um, People don't have health care. People are poor. People are desperate. People are losing their jobs. We don't have I shouldn't say we don't have resources, right? Because we do have resources. If we taxed the 1% at slightly higher rates, we could deal with a lot of these issues. Um, not, not that I think we should go on continuing to uh, occupy countries. But for example, <clears throat> we could keep people in their homes. We could give them health care. It's not like we are limited in resources. And I think that's sort of a red herring when people say that. We're like, oh, we're just a declining empire. We don't have enough for everyone. It's like, no, 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 we actually do. If we slightly reprioritize how we tax people, uh, where our resources are directed, we have enough for everyone, including undocumented people. We don't have an immigration crisis. I mean, we do have an immigration crisis in the sense that we don't have enough immigrants to do the jobs that we historically have asked immigrants to do, say, like, grow our food and take care of our elderly people. We actually need more immigrants to do that type of work. Like, it, it's the type of work that we don't appreciate until we don't have workers to do the work anymore. And then we're like, hey, I don't want to do this. Could someone do this for me? It was like, oh, the person that did that for you was the person from Mexico who you screamed at to get out of your country. They were the ones who took care of your mother. But you asked the government to ban them. So now you have to take care of your mother. And you're like, but I can't do that. I work two jobs. And it's like, well, don't know what to tell you. We rely on immigrant labor. We always have in this country. Immigrants built this country. That includes your own ancestors. So, yeah, uh, another disastrous opinion from the Supreme Court in favor of landlords. You know, the most victimized group in this country. Landlords won't. Where is the ASPCA commercial but for landlords? I ask you, where is it? Give it to me. (laughs) I want to see it. Guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. Here's your good news. Yeah, I think this is good news. Uh, OnlyFans reverse their stupid, stupid, stupid decision to ban sex workers from their site. 
They claim because MasterCard and certain banks and hedge funds have like morality clauses that don't allow them to be used in the moving of funds for sex work. So OnlyFans was like, it's not us, it's MasterCard and these banks and these hedge funds that don't want us to allow sex workers on the site. My immediate response was, what does OnlyFans think people use OnlyFans for? (laughs) Were they like, oh no, it's our wholesome PG content that people use OnlyFans for? It's like, no, no, no. It's always been the case that when you hear OnlyFans, your first thought is, yeah, adult sex work. Of course. Of course. But apparently OnlyFans thought people were using them for some other reason. Um, But they have now reversed that stupid, stupid, stupid decision. The original decision was you have until October 1st, and then we are banning porn from OnlyFans. And everyone was like, I'm sorry, what? So there was an uproar, obviously, because this is by no means the first time this has happened to sex workers. They are constantly, constantly censored. Like, where are the anti-censorship people when sex workers are being victimized? It's like they are constantly forced into the margins like this. They are robbed of revenue. So OnlyFans posted on August 25th, thank you to everyone for making your voices heard. We have secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and have suspended the planned October 1st policy change. OnlyFans stands for inclusion and we will continue to provide a home for all creators. Oh, they magically stand for inclusion now, guys. Great, great news. Um, Yeah, and again, the only reason they reached this decision because there was this outcry and uh, organizational efforts by and for sex workers to oppose this fucking stupid decision. And like, again, how many of these executives who come up with morality clauses are like cheating on their wives or mistreating sex workers in their own lives. It's like all such performative bullshit. If you're on OnlyFans, you know why you're there. You're a a consenting adult uh, who's giving money to another consenting adult for services, right? Or performances. So everybody needs to mind their own fucking business. Again, where are the anti-censorship people or the anti-government people who are like, keep your nose out of my personal business. Like, why don't you care when OnlyFans or whoever OnlyFans is blaming, right? Like, why don't you care when MasterCard is like being the morality police or banks or hedge funds? Like suddenly you're cool with that? (laughs) This is an actual censorship issue. I mean, I guess like the government isn't involved, but Censorship in the micro, right? It is a massive institution basically telling workers that they can't work. And it's like, you think that would at least be a labor issue, right? But sex workers aren't real workers to, to so many people. Um, so, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about, I guess this is good news that the FDA um, has approved they well, they certainly approved Pfizer, Pfizer's vaccine. I think they also just approved Moderno too. So I could be wrong about that, but I thought they approved two vaccines. So obviously good news. 
because <laughs> a lot of anti-vaxxers, at least ostensibly, were saying that all of their vaccine reservations were because the FDA hadn't approved the vaccines yet. Everybody was rushing way too fast to take these vaccines, even though obviously the reason scientists were able to come up with the COVID vaccine so fast is because it was based on like a decade of research into other strains of the the COVID virus. They were already familiar with it and thus they were able to come up with the vaccine really fast. The power of science, right? And collective science knowledge and scientists working together a beautiful moment for the scientific community that we should have celebrated, but instead a bunch of idiots were like, how'd you come up with the vaccine so fast though? It must be poison. Sure. So a bunch of those people, the anti-vaxxers were like, I'm not going to take the vaccine until there's FDA approval. Okay. So now there's FDA approval. Everyone and their fucking mother made the same joke on Twitter where they were like, oh, so I guess the anti-vaxxers are going to get the vaccine now, right? Like maximum sarcasm. Of course, they're not going to get the vaccine now. That was just what they were saying, that they were waiting for FDA approval. They're, of course, not going to take. They would rather take medicine that was designed for horses, literally, then take the vaccine, which again, I don't understand where it's like, okay, so you think the vaccine is poison, but you're willing to take this other scientific discovery, this horse, whatever, medicine, you'll take that, but you won't take the one that's actually been put through trials and has been proven to prevent COVID. I don't understand. I mean, I do, but I don't. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, there was this story about one of the big anti-vaxxers. I think he was in Texas. He just, I think he died. He certainly got hospitalized, but his wife put out a statement where she was basically like, there's nothing more the hospital can do for my husband. And it's like sad because I think he had a kid. But at the same time, like how many of these stories do we have to hear before anti-vaxxers are like, guys, I think we're wrong. Like, you know that sketch where the two Nazis are talking and they're like, I think we're the baddies. Like, at what point are the anti-vaxxers going to look at each other and be like, I think we're fucking wrong. Like, did you hear Greg died? And the other guy will be like, yeah, and Dave and Henry died. A lot of us are fucking dying, dude. I'm starting to think this vaccine might work and the virus is real. And I think we might be wrong. And also, like, that it's okay that, I mean, you know, everybody's wrong eventually, right? On a long enough timeline, timeline, we're all wrong eventually. The key is just to not double down in the face of objective truth, right? Like, how many different reliable sources have to tell you you're wrong? Like, even if you don't trust any institution in the United States, right? Like, you think you're the smartest guy in the room don't believe in science. You think the government's a bunch of liars. Okay. When all of your friends start dying, at what point, like what level of evidence needs to be presented in front of you? Like apparently you have to be hospitalized and be dying to finally be like, oh, you know what? I think I might've gotten this one wrong. 
And if like that's the level of confrontation you need to change your mind, we're fucked. We're fucked. If it has to like affect you that personally, where you have to be either dying or like having narrowly avoided death, if that's how far you need to be gone in order to change your mind, it's like, what hope is there? Are we in the good news section? Yeah. Okay. So yay, the FDA approved Pfizer. It is good news. It is good news. And listen, maybe it will change some minds. Maybe there actually were some anti-vaxxers who are holding out for FDA approval. They'll go get vaccinated. That is good news. That is a victory. This is another victory for the scientific community. There are a lot of us. I know sometimes it feels like there's a lot of anti-vaxxers, and there are, but there's also a lot of people who believe in science and scientific evidence and who got the vaccines and who are now fully vaccinated. Like here in New York City, I think it's something like 70% of New Yorkers are vaccinated now. Tons and tons and tons of people are vaccinated and have trusted science. That is good news. We should always remember there's a lot of them, but there's also a lot of us. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So you're not alone. And on that note, thank you so much for all of the support. Thank you to everybody who's a member who financially supports the show. Again, you can go to patreon.com slash Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. You can support the show. That's a good deal, right? I think so. I'm always so curious to hear from you. So if you're not a member and you're like, Allison, how can I participate in the show? Of course you can participate. Times are tough. I get it. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. You can follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. We're no longer on Facebook because Facebook sucks. Also, you can email the show, News at Gmail. I don't check it a lot. I'll be honest with you, but that's another free way to contact the show. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, Get out there if you're vaccinated and cause a little trouble. 